I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hi, welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. We are back with a very exciting episode because today we have my mom on the podcast. <laughs> Hi, mom. Welcome. Oh, fun to be here right <laughs> so at my kitchen table. Yay. We are recording at my childhood home around the kitchen table where I grew up and we have my mom, Dr. Christian Northrup. And Mike's here too. And Mike is here yep. as well. And we're going to talk about a lot of things, but one of the things we're going to talk about is my mom's newest book called Making Life Easy, A Simple Guide to a Divinely Inspired Life. And I'm really excited to talk about this because it's all the things that you actually do that you've never talked about before. That is right? correct. It's what I really have always believed, but you know, you just can't bring this up when someone comes in and they're having menstrual cramps, right? You just can't, you just can't bring up that whole thing because most people have been brought up to believe that they get sick because a germ landed on them or they get sick because they ate gluten or they're allergic to something and something's always doing it to them. So we're brought up to be victims of our circumstances and we lose touch with the power that we actually have. Mm, which is the power of the divine within each one of us. That is correct. That's most of us, which isn't even in a body that's directing the show. All work is work to evolve self with a capital S that's different from ego, but you need an ego to develop self. So you just mentioned this thing about being in a body and I read that in your book. So this morning I was reading your book and then what does that even mean? So like, let's talk about like reincarnation. That's what I'm curious about. So what does that mean where we're here? I forget your exact sentence, but it was like, we're here or somebody said it lots of times, like we're, right. we're having an experience, but or in a human body, what's that? Yeah, we are spiritual beings having a human right. experience. So what does that mean? Like, you know, like explain to me your thought about that. Okay. You know, it's interesting that from as far back as I can remember, mostly, and I begin the book with this, at about the age of 12, I was babysitting at a friend's house and I saw this book in a cardboard box. I didn't know it was a book. I just saw that the title was Natives of Eternity. So, and I was the quintessential good girl. Like when I babysat, I washed the dishes and I cleaned up and all of that stuff. I opened their mail. <laughs> I took that book out of the box. That's and, you know, crime. then I had that's to connect. It was a crime. It was a high crime and misdemeanor. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're that's mail the, fraud. Working for the FBI, listen you, to this. You got we it. a criminal right you here. You got it. And <laughs> so the book was about angels of birth, angels of death, divas of fire, wind, by Flower Newhouse, a Christian mystic minister. And my mother, I was very excited, and I told my mother about it. And so what she did was she got in touch with the woman whose grandchildren I was babysitting, and that was Gretchen Carroll. And Gretchen had been out to Christ Word Ministry in Escondido, California, and she had been studying with Flower Newhouse, the Christian mystic who saw the angels, and thus began a series of breakfasts that Gretchen and I had regularly from the time I was 12 until I went to medical school. Really? And she would make these amazing brunches and we would talk spirituality. And I read all of Edgar Casey, The Sleeping Prophet, really the most famous medical intuitive, particularly a book not by Casey, but one called Many Mansions about reincarnation. 
So when I was at that formative adolescent age, when a lot of girls start playing with Ouija boards and get really interested in astrology and tarot, I was actually talking with those people who believed this. Also, Gretchen was a member of the ARE, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, down in Virginia Beach. And from there, I went on to meet Gladys McGarry, and she and her husband wrote a book called There Will You Be Also. She was president of the American Holistic Medical Association when I was on the board. She and her husband had not only believed in reincarnation, but she wrote about it that when she came, she was raised in India and had an ama. An ama is a nanny in India. And she remembers coming around the corner as a little girl and seeing the Taj Mahal and bursting into tears with such grief she could not figure out what it was. In a past life, she had been the midwife of the woman who died in childbirth, and the Taj Mahal was built in her honor by her bereft husband. So I've been swimming in those waters for years, but it isn't the kind of thing that you generally bring up in a routine physical exam. But once you know that all of that stuff is going on and that it all contributes to our body. So, for instance, you ask about this many times. Well, uh, like, what is the definition of reincarnation um, for somebody that... One that I really liked is it's, uh, <laughs> it's the evaporated milk from dead cows. What? <laughs> Do you remember carnation instant milk? Probably oh, not. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> uh, reincarnation is the fact that we for our soul's growth, move from one body to the next, and we've lived many lifetimes. Got it. So you know that Dr. Brian Weiss, a psychiatrist from Harvard, routinely does past life regressions. Many lives, many masters. Many lives, many masters. And also, interestingly enough, Norm Sheely, the founder of the American Holistic Medical Association, a neurosurgeon, used to say that very often a past life regression would get to the root of what the problem was that with all of his medical knowledge, he couldn't fix. Mm. So you'll often see kids are born with birthmarks and that are right in the area that a sword went in in the past life. And so when you see the hugeness of this, number one, you don't take it so personally. Yeah. And number two, it's so much bigger Eddington is an interesting physicist, British physicist, and he said life is stranger than one would believe it's stranger than we can believe. And when you know that, so I used to, when I had patients in front of me, sometimes they would tell me the oddest stories and they'd say, I never told anyone. So here's one. A friend of mine has a daughter, a second daughter. And when the second daughter was born, she said, my name was Susie and I died in a fire, but now I'm back and I'm Kayla. And in fact, they had had a fire where a daughter died in the fire. (gasps) And then this child came back. Many times with abortions, you'll hear the little kid at the age of three or four say to the mother, well, I came to you and daddy, but it wasn't the time. And now I'm back. And I used to do abortions. And I would know that you can't really kill a soul. They recycle. So you know, in today's political climate, yes. right, there's yes. all this stuff going on. And one of the things is talking about, you know, overturning Roe v. Wade and whatever. And what I 
have really enjoyed being... What is Roe v. Wade? It was the Supreme Court ruling that abortions are... Legal. legal. You could legal. have them. Got it. Have. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, it was illegal. Certainly and it was. was. In 1967, around there, and many, many women... But people were doing it anyway, right? Oh, oh yeah. They yeah. always but dangerously, do it. dangerously, because when yeah. you have right. to do it under wraps, it's like a whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And many of my older colleagues took care of women with sepsis from illegal abortion. So we really do not want to go back there. But we now have the abortion pill, and that's very exciting because 60 70% of abortions are now done medically with a substance that blocks progesterone receptors. So therefore, you don't need to go in and have the thing and sucked how can you, can you just only use that like in the first trimester? Or that's when correct. We, yeah. That's right, yes. Just because some people listening might need to know. that That's right. And so what they're doing that I kind of love. Now, back when I did this, I'm a definitely a feminist, and I used to feel so strongly about it that I Your used to say... Head. You guys did not see that, a little but she just did like a, there was a little a shake. Yeah, there was a little yeah. shake, but I, I, used to, I used to say, okay, all right, if they make this illegal, I'm just going to set up a little clinic in my basement, and people will come here undercover of darkness. And do you remember the, what's that amazing movie, Cider House Rules, mm. where Michael Caine's character did illegal abortions in Maine as a service to women. I have a lot to say about that, but the main thing is the soul doesn't die. Well, right. So having grown (laughs) up with this, I mean, I just sort of take it for granted that I'm a soul on one particular incarnation and that I've been here before and I'll be here again. So to me, it just puts less pressure on Doesn't it? Doesn't it? It just puts less pressure because it's like, well, you know, we'll do our best and then we'll have another chance later. And we had a chance before and we're probably doing better than the last time. So like, let's just be here. And when it comes to some of this political stuff that people kill for, I understand that this is not everyone's viewpoint that we have multiple lives, but it certainly does create more ease because if there's this idea that this soul is coming one way or another, there's not so much pressure on the mother who decides, you know what, this isn't the right time. That soul is going to come to her or it's going to come to the next person or whatever. Like we can't, you can't kill a soul. No, but let me tell you some fun things you can do. Okay. So this happened to my sister and she, I think she got pregnant inadvertently. She already had three boys. I referred to them as international terrorists at the time. You know, they would sleep with hammers and they would decimate flagstone walks in the morning and melt things. And, you know, I mean, they were just regular guys. And they're so, not really terrorists they're, in they're, real life. No, I'm just wonderful. talking. No, yes. they're wonderful kids. But way back, they were active boys and they jumped off the roofs and you know, they were different than you and Annie. I mean, it was a different lifestyle. <laughs> See where else this podcast goes. We've mentioned us yeah. opening other people's mail. <laughs> <laughs> International terrorists happening here. And illegal abortions. Illegal, so illegal abortions. Getting, it's pretty juicy. But, you know, I decided that I had in me another book or another kid, but not both. And you are the new parents of a child, and you are doing that parenting very consciously, very beautifully, and you know how much that takes, right? You know how much that takes. So I knew that I had another book or another baby, but not both. So I said to my sister, who had had a pregnancy scare, oh my God, let's just do a tubal ligation together. Let's do this. She had gotten pregnant and did not want to be pregnant. And I said, okay, Penny, here's what you have to do. I learned this from Gladys McGarry. Every day you talk to the soul and you go, listen, 
I love you, but this is not the time. I'm really sorry. This is not the time. Because I'll tell you what, when a soul wants to come in, I swear to you, you can get pregnant during your period. You can get pregnant under the full moon when a sperm swims up from your knee. I'm telling you, I have seen it. And by the same token, if someone says to you, you can never get pregnant, don't believe that either. And so every day, Penny would tell this soul, listen, nope, this isn't the time. This isn't the time. And... I think the day she finally made the call to a clinic, she puts the phone in the cradle because you put it in the cradle back then. This was in the olden days and put it in the cradle and boom, had a miscarriage. So I think what we need to do as women with our bodies is get a grip. Let's inhabit our bodies, understand that this is between us and maybe some ancient relationship that we have, and we need to be sovereign around our own bodies. But as I've often said, treat your uterus and your menstrual cycle and all that a lot more like you would treat your checkbook. Like, don't just live from the neck up, because that's when you get in trouble. Totally. Those things are very much connected. Yeah. And if you're not paying much attention to your checkbook or your uterus, now is a great moment to decide to pay attention to both of them. This is a those great, are your sources of power. This is a great moment because let me just say something here. And, uh, you know, just because I have to say it. And that is to me, it is not a step forward to have the government step in to take the place of the traditional husband. I just don't think that that's a step forward for women. In terms of in terms more of more and more and more services. subsidies and services and so on, I, I just think that we need to have a society in which we've figured this one out. We have not figured it out, and I don't pretend that we've figured it out. But I was in the heart of this for many, many years. Fifty percent of the pregnancies in the United States are still unwanted and unplanned. Now, once you know that it's there, then you often change your mind. Right. But, you know, what is worse, really, than a child who was not wanted, not planned, and then the mother spends the rest of the pregnancy in terror of what's going to happen next and has no means of support. Not to mention the childhood of that person well, in their that's, entire life feeling like they were never wanted to begin with. Talk about worthiness issues. Yes, but now we got to go back to the big picture again, which right. is... That's their soul's Wait journey. a minute. I chose this mother. Yep. So no matter what, you know, how was this for you growing up, Kate? I mean... Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, all right. So... We'll come back to that question. Yeah, we'll, we'll, right. we'll pause there. But like... <laughs> <laughs> so we're reincarnated in their souls, right? I, I'm yeah. following this journey. Yeah. This is a man to... who was raised Catholic, so we we're having a different. And, yeah. and I was. I mean, mm. I don't like. I was raised Catholic, but I thought it was all crap when I was. I sick. know, but it does. And I don't seep mean that there. if you're Catholic here. Sorry, I, I'm not like picking on the Catholic. Well, I kind of am. Like, I would go to this mass and listen, and I'm like, is anyone paying attention to what this guy's saying? Because it didn't make any sense. So this is what I experienced when I went to church. Okay. So I was never really into it from young age on. But anyway, that's side note. So basically, we have souls, right? So this whole... I'm trying to wrap up this reincarnation before we move forward because I'm still lost. We're all a soul, right? And we're experiencing life right now in this physical form of this body that is living. Yes. So what are we really like in life? Is that the unanswered question that nobody really knows? No, I, I'll tell you what I think that is. I think if, that if, we if are... going to die uh-huh. and my soul will continue to go... And like become a cat in the next. No, no, no. That's the transmigration of souls. That's not the same as reincarnation. Oh wow! It took it a whole new level. Then. <laughs> uh, let's master. That's you the mean master's he would. Degree. G- 
No, you okay. you don't. We you we, don't become an ant. You stay like a cat stays a cat. And except, I don't. And think that's so an interesting. Okay, I believe that my father, who died at my Saturn return when I was twenty eight, he comes to the property where I grew up to the farm as a red tailed hawk, and it's weird that everyone knows that because when they see this hawk there, they go, "There's Wilbur," and I mean. Everyone just kind of know, and you all have that experience. But okay, so you okay. ask, what are we doing here? So what, yeah, what are we like, doing what, here? What's the purpose? Right. So like, who? Yeah. What's is the purpose? Okay. Like, yeah. What no. No. Is I, the meaning of life. I, okay. Of life. <laughs> I want. I want. This is a whole like. I, I have I, an I heard answer. You talk about this a lot. I, I know have you have an answer. answer. You have an answer to all, everything. <laughs> so so, but like, I've heard you talk about this a lot. Yeah. But like the reality, like okay, so if we're all souls and we just show up here, and then if someone decides to like have an abortion yeah and there's the soul will come back when it's ready to come like maybe it's not the right time and then they come back or maybe the soul had a little message for the woman right about that whole situation so like have sex with guys uh, like, like condoms like that yeah, like that, that or well, you know or, or sometimes up her own pelvic right. power yeah okay, that, that too well that yeah of course yeah many times if a woman has a child die before mm-hmm. the age of seven you know that that child is a really advanced, mm-hmm. like little Buddha, because the amount of grief that's caused by that, a soul agreeing, I'm going to come in and do this for my parents because they really need a little wake up call. And this is not, see, the problem with our culture is that we get into blame and guilt and judgment. You're mm-hmm. wrong. You did something wrong. Right. And I think that's the key problem. Well, it is. And so we have a baby who has been challenging she has. I think all babies are challenging, but this, this one, one in a very particular she's way had some real challenges with her eczema, and really, we literally have tried everything. I know you um, have. No need to send in suggestions, yes. though. We love you, you for wanting mm-hmm. to. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, really, trust me, everyone. I mean, it, nobody. I mean, and I mean, nobody in the whole world has access to more resources. It's true than these two. So, however, you people, can send divine love. You, Just divine love is welcome. That's so, right. Mike and I have really been through it with this. Yeah. Yeah, you have. And we're still smack deep in the middle of it. I mean, Penelope's skin this morning was worse than it has almost ever been. Screaming, scratching. Mm. So people have said, like energy healers and mm-hmm. spiritual people have mm-hmm. said, well, you know, she's picking up on things from you and Mike. And I will say, like, I immediately go to, oh, my God, like, we're really conscious people and we're really good parents. And it's a safe household. It's a loving environment. We love each other. We love her. We're with her a lot. Everything is healthy. Like, oh, my God, imagine if she was born to other people who, you know, weren't so awake and weren't available to feed her free range, local organic chicken, Seriously. You know? like all the things. And so I have found in myself that tendency to then go into it's my fault because I understand that Penelope's here with a message for us. And, you know, she's also on her own soul's journey. But, like, I can feel that going into blame of myself of, like, I'm not emotionally regulated enough or, you know, I'm not doing a good enough job clearing myself as a mother because my baby is picking up on my own issues or whatever. So I just want to say, like, I know where people go with that because oh, I yeah. go there myself. Mm-hmm. We all do. So what's... I know this sort of, but like, I'm curious, what's your take on, so if you say, okay, your baby's picking up on stuff from you and that's why her skin is completely covered in eczema and you can't do, you know, you try as you might, it's like really not working. 
what do you say to somebody like me who then goes into, well, are you saying I'm a bad mother? And like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Because mm-hmm. first thing I do, I'm is, doing uh, everything I can think of. I looked at Penelope's astrologic chart. So we yeah. have that also in the book. Yeah. She has, as I recall, she has Pluto in the sixth house, which is death, transformation, rebirth. And health. Uh, right? And health. The sixth house is the house and of it's health. it's ruled by Virgo? It's no. ruled by Virgo. Yeah. Yes, it is. But in her case, she has Pluto in there. Mm-hmm. Wherever we have Pluto, it's where we're going to be taken down. But taken down for a total transformation. Right. Like so, clearing. Like, it's, you, it's where you hit rock bottom so that you can rise. Can that, you explain more? Because I don't understand anything you just said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, in, here, in, this well, I'm sure half the people on here don't understand. Well, that's, let me just no, say. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. so, so Mike, I'm with you, you, all those people that don't have a clue what Chris just said, I'm with you. Okay, okay. So, in the astrologic chart. Right, I got that part. Okay. But like, what's but the every, meaning of all of Right, yeah. right. So, there are 12 houses. Right, understood. Okay, that. and each mm-hmm. house, the reason I even brought up astrology in the right. book is that it gives you a clue. It gives you a clue to what your soul's blueprint is. So here's what we know about Penelope. She is extraordinarily sensitive. She is a tuning fork for both of you in a way that is her soul's choice. We know that kids with their central nervous systems, temperament studies, have shown that there are kids that are... No matter what you do to them, they sleep through the night. It's no problem. Their pain threshold is a hundred. And then you have others who are little tuning forks for the entire universe. You happen to have a little tuning fork for the entire universe. And we don't know. I want people to understand this. You won't know till later what this was about because life can only be understood retrospectively because you have to build faith as a muscle and more than that. Now we're back to the meaning of life. The earth is the densest place in the universe, according to the Kabbalah. The planet What's Earth... The Kabbalah? Kabbalah. Kabbalah. Oh, it's the ancient Jewish <laughs> the mystical <laughs> system. Okay. And this is where matter is. Matter is the densest form of energy. And when you can bring light into matter, you change the entire universe. So the work that you're both doing on yourself with this little child actually change the course of history for the universe. And it's important to remember this so that when you have this kind of a challenge, know that you are bringing in light to a dark place. Every parent who's ever had a sick child or didn't know what to do or did everything they knew what to do, this is what I call it punches a hole in heaven where you bring in more light because you're on your knees asking. And this is what you find often when you look at the movie Ray about Ray Charles or the other movie about Johnny Cash. They were both massive drug addicts. Both of them had brothers die in awful ways when they were little kids. And they were trying to medicate the pain. And yet look at what they did in their life. They brought in such light. But let us not forget this is a planet of duality. The bigger the front, the bigger the back. The more the light, the more the dark. So you two have a lot of light. You got a kid who's got some stuff. She's still an unbelievable being of light. Oh my I mean, God. She's oh, one yeah. of the happiest kids I've ever seen. She's so hilarious and precious. That's right. Yeah, no, That's right. Absolutely. So she's not, here's what I will tell you. You know, every doctor, we have this thing among doctors. Well, is she sick? You know, is the kid sick? And I'd say, no. 
That is true. She's about not her. sick. She's not she's a not sick, sick kid. She just happens to be covered in. She just has eczema. this spot. She but has... she's not like really a sick. No, no, no. She has this thing. She looks like a cheetah. Um, it's interesting. Ray Veyu, who's the health medium, he said eczema is pissing through your skin. Hmm. So there's some, you know, anger, some pissiness, some whatever. She's doing that as a service. She's doing that as a service. Now, what I tell her, honey, you don't need to do that. Send it to send your irritation, whoever's it is, whichever side it's on, just send it back to the central sun. Right. Anyway, the bigger picture helps everybody. If you don't have it and you got the flail and you're blaming yourself and you did something wrong and you believe that, you know what the word sin means? It means to miss the mark. That's all it means. Mm, It doesn't mean that you're bad. Wow. And we're always missing the mark. I mean, it's not possible to be on track all the time. No, no. Like you're one of the best mothers I've ever seen in my entire life. Thank you. (laughs) So her situation has nothing to do with you. Right. Okay. Oh, I'm not. I never really thought that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But see how we're bringing it. I mean, but I know like. I see what those people or people have said, like stuff that happens at home. And I know we had some stuff to work through, which we did. But the better it's getting, her skin's not improving. You know, like we just graduated from therapy yesterday. Our therapist was like, all right, guys, I really think you're good to go. Like, you know, reach out when you're ready. He was like, he was like, like therapists like like that instead of, you know, so I feel it's like, like okay, we are ending a relationship doing really good work <laughs> yeah. and her skin keeps getting worse and worse. And so we're just I'm sticking with it and we're doing the best we can. It's but, always darkest before dawn. Keep that, that in true. mind. I do know that at 4 a.m. That's yes. when women tend to start bleeding. Right. Their that's menstrual good. cycle. That's what time Penelope wakes up. So it's perfect. She does. She wakes up every day at 345 this morning. There it is. Yeah. So, Mike, did that answer your question about reincarnation? Kind do you of. understand a little bit better? We did. Okay, but but I'll so, tell you the way okay, to. Exp- so, just to kind of yeah. like wrap it up, like yeah. So, like, what are we doing? Like, I guess that's the meaning of like when people say what the meaning of life is. I've never thought about it before in this format, like ever. So, what are like? So we just keep souls just keep coming back and forth. We die and then we're born again or we die. And, and then I think that eventually, you know, we don't come to earth. We go to other places and yeah. it's continual Sometimes expansion. An and here's the other thing well, that I, that I, I think, do. yeah, we become angels or we were angels and we come back here. Now that's controversial, but you know, I don't think there'll be anyone out there looking for the footnote on that one. Give <laughs> 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 me the study. Yeah, right. Okay. There's a lot of studies though. A lot on children that they've tracked down who remember who their mother was and their father and they go back and they find them or that kid who died as a fighter pilot in World War II and he's a little boy and he's drawing pictures of the plane and he Amazing. wakes up screaming because wow. he can't get out of the harness. See, I think Penelope wakes up screaming Agreed. because she's having a past life thing and we should probably, in addition to what we're doing with the NAAT, do a regression. we should probably do a regression and see if we can work on clearing that. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you recommend... Let's just call Brian, you know, Brian Weiss. Okay. Well, oh, no, Doris. Doris does past life regressions. Okay. We'll okay. get our resources organized. Yeah, That's get the Doris resources. Cohen for those yeah, Doris e, Dr. Doris e. Cohen.com, everybody. That'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. This is a big topic. So you're talking about making life easy yes. in this book. Yes. What are some That's of... That's why she wrote smaller. Yeah. You know, most of her books are 600 pages. Right. This, this one this is a shorter book. It is... 170 pages. It's a miracle. Long. Yeah. Actually, even if you go before the resources, it's even shorter. It's 157 pages. So this is an easy read. 
as it should be with the title, making life easy. Yeah. So what are like three of your top things that you do every day that you think make a significant difference in making your life easier than say it was 20 years ago? Oh, I love that question. First of all, I've been putting a tremendous amount of self-affirmation in my data bank. But one thing I do every single morning that I think is just stellar and I love it, I get up and I make my bed. I don't even oh, think yeah. about that's it. Huge. It's automatic. And that's so when I leave the room in the morning, the room is set and I don't even think about it. So I, my habits work for me. Now, recently, now for seven years back in from college, Right through my residency, I meditated, transcendental meditation, twice a day, 20 minutes. Well, you never, did it when I was growing up, too. Yeah, yeah. Never missed a meditation. Would you know why, though? I mean, this isn't... I'm going to out myself here, because Maharishi Mahesh Yogi himself told me that... Wait, his in, name is Moderation? Ma, Maharishi. Oh. Maharishi. <laughs> <laughs> There's no moderation here. I was, I was told back in the TM days. See, you're way ahead of the curve here. Oh, yeah. oh I've been you out know, here. For, now it's like, you, I know all my friends are like, Oh, oh I'm meditation. TM and I'm going to Iowa and I got it. I'm like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Right. That's old news. Yeah. Right. No, <laughs> I played my harp for Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the founder of that thing in a baseball cage. And my parents didn't want to, cause that's where they held it, a baseball cage at UMass. And my parents didn't want to bring the harp all the way there to Amherst, Massachusetts. Listen to this one. And I said, if Richard Nixon wanted to hear me play the harp, would you bring it? And they said, yes. And so I said, well, this guy means more to me than Richard Nixon. So Wise they, so, choice. So they, they brought the harp and a very famous New York Times cartoonist drew a picture of me playing the harp for Maharishi, which I happen to have. Anyhow, I am back, learning so awesome. many new things about you. Yeah. So back to, so I meditated twice a day for seven years because here's what they said. At the end of seven years, you will be in cosmic consciousness. And I thought, so oh, I'd think? be enlightened. Okay, here's what would happen. All right. I would be I would be meditating. I'd be into a deep, deep state and I learned how to calm my central nervous system and it's a you know, it's a good thing to know. Everyone should know how to do this, all right? And then the beeper would go off and there'd be some emergency delivery. And then I'd sort of fall off my stool to run down and do the delivery and I re- and then I remember thinking, Okay. This is causing more stress than if I didn't meditate at all, because going from zero to 100 is a lot of stress on the engine. And I was not in cosmic consciousness. After seven years. After seven frickin' years, I was not in cosmic consciousness. You were meditating in the hospital while you were like doing... I'd go off into a little place and I meditated in cabs. I meditated in planes. I meditated in ski lodges. When you guys were off skiing, I can reach that state easily. This are is important. You, the question is, are you in cosmic consciousness? No. <laughs> Hell no. Here's what I think. I think that when we're when we are here on earth, yeah. We're, there's work to do. I agree. And when we're not here on earth, then here's what you have to do. And then there's a, I don't, I didn't get into it with this, but you know, then there's all these disembodied souls who never made it across the portal. So I have people that I talk to, to help people across the portal because they're just wandering around. There's a lot of them in hospitals and bars. Can I just say this? I want to say this to everyone. I have the, you know, I have the floor here smoking a lot of dope, drinking, using drugs and using alcohol makes dents in your aura. And it makes you far more susceptible to having some earthbound soul 
go in there and live off you like a parasite. So stop it. Mm-hmm. It's a really a dumb thing to do. Okay. That said, when as long as you're here on earth, there's still work to do. Does it get better? Yes. I'm happier than I've ever been in my entire life. So what do I do? Okay. okay. I make like your bed. I make my bed in the morning. I'm starting to meditate again. But here's how I'm doing it. I'm just imagining that I have this wonderful ruby red goddess at my back, loving me. And then I breathe at the back of my heart in and out, in and out. I love it. I can get very calm. And so I love that. So I do that. How long do you do that for? 15 minutes in the morning. Then I'm done with that. The other thing that I do. Only once a day. Just once a day. day. Just once a day. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes if I don't get to it, I don't get to it. There's no flail anymore. Love it. Okay. The other thing that I love to do is I love watching my body get better and more and more flexible. And I want everyone to know that. So I do resistance flexibility or what they call it, bendable body, you know, just mm-hmm. this kind of fascial stretching. I have a biomat here. I like to, I do two things now every night, which I love. I got the biomat, which is infrared heat that repairs the body. I have a sauna that repairs the body. I'm using a fascia blaster in the sauna while I listen to YouTube videos. And then I have that massage chair and I can you know, work the TV so that I get two 30 minute rounds of massage on my back, my feet while I'm watching TV right now. It's the mysteries of Laura with Deborah Messing. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> it's Amazing. like a mini spa over here. Guys. It is. It's pretty remarkable. There's, where Kate's bedroom used to be, there's it's a, now a sauna. A sauna. Room. Yep. 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 Yeah. Sunlight and mm-hmm. infrared sauna. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so those are the top three things. Make your bed, meditate, and then you're doing things that keep getting your body better. That's right. Starting with the belief, I might add, that was you listening. You should also get her book, Goddesses Never Age, because that book is really about agelessness and that it's even possible that instead of our bodies becoming more broken down every year, that they can get better and better and better, which is absolutely true. Yeah, but there's nothing about the medical profession that would have you believe that. So you guys are now, you know, you're people in your 30s. So chances are very good that you have friends in your 40s who are already, they've drunk the Kool-Aid, they're already starting to say, well, I'm like I am because of my age. They're really like they are because of insulin problems, blood sugar problems, starting in their teenage years, probably in childhood. because of the belief that everything's downhill after, you know, 27 that, or something. That's which right. Is a ridiculous guys, thing that- guys are taught that they should be running an international multinational corporation at the peak of their game when they're in their absolute prime at 45 and that it's all downhill from then. Great. I got 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got a lot of time, but that's the, the pressure's on honey. Super. I feel it. But let me just say though, with the, with and not only add the, into TM on it. So for the next seven years to get yeah. complete enlightenment, I'll be that's I mean, right. 11 years from now. Holy smokes. Look out. Yeah. But the agelessness thing. See, what's interesting is I know that I'm an eternal being. So if I get some done in this life, so good. And if I don't, good. But now it's a paradox because I want it to be as good as it can possibly be for myself because I know that as I vibrate, so I attract, but as I vibrate, so I've broadcast so that wherever I go, I either make it a better place or a worse place. So right now, because we're right after the election, I cannot believe uh, one woman put on Instagram, keep calm and stay off Facebook. 
Absolutely. It's unbelievable to it's me. Toxic. But that's the toxins that have always been under the surface. And right. if you're a surgeon, you know that many times an abscess has to come to the surface right. so you can oh, incise yeah. and drain it. And that's what's coming up, folks, is kind of a national Pimple. abscess. Yeah, that's what like we talked John... about with our financial advisor yesterday. Oh, right. good. It is like... It's like a big pimple. It's a giant pimple that is needing to be extracted. It's yeah, and, all the pus that needed to come out. And yeah. John Stewart, I heard him talk about this, and he said, the guy from The Daily Show, he said that the country's not any different no. today as it was before the election no. or three weeks ago. No. It's still the same country. It's just there's people that are more vocal about beliefs and et cetera that is coming to the surface, right. and different people are in power that is also taking the system that has been running operating for a long time the same way and mixing it all up. So with Trump being elected, like that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. But it is, it's like you go on Facebook, you can, so, but even one of the things is you could go on Facebook and be that light that you're talking about Mm -hmm. why everybody else is being the darkness and bringing it down. Well, you can be the light and then log off. Yeah. What I do is, no, here's what I do. This is important. I have my own community page, right? Right. That's where I'm the light. Exactly. What I find on my personal page is kind of hopeless. So I don't say anything over there. It's kind of like I listened to a friend's post and she had a Clinton sign in her backyard and, you know, somebody comes and bends the sign. And I think to myself, I'd get rid of the signs. It's like I'm not dumb enough to go down to New York City wearing a Red Sox ball cap. (laughs) And someone came up to Pat's Pizza in the middle of the World Series when the Red Sox were winning with a Yankees cap on. What are you doing? Don't be dumb. Really, that's just... Although, I will just say, to counter that, it would be great if we lived in a world where you could go to a New England sports bar in a Yankees cap during the Red Sox World Series. And, you know, you might get a few jokes here or there, but that you would actually feel safe. And now I'm not saying that guy was not safe at Pat's Pizza. But like that's the idea, right? No, like that's no, what we're talking that's about. That's the it's idea. A place where people are actually safe to have their own beliefs, even if they're different than the beliefs of the people around them. Right. I agree. And until that happens, oh yeah, I just think that putting labels on yourself that <laughs> say attack me. Well, you know, I was thinking yeah. about today. I remember a story, and I can't remember in which city, but maybe somebody listening does, or maybe you guys know during the Nazi occupation of Germany and other places in Europe that remember they required people to wear the star of David. And there was a city where every single citizen Stockholm Stockholm Mm -hmm. wore the star of David. That's right. Everyone work. Yeah. The King of Sweden mandated. Yeah. Yeah. Mandated it. That's what I was thinking about today. Like the power of us coming together and standing together to say, I'm with you and I'm no different than you. And I remembered that exact historical Fact. So, okay, could you make, okay, so then you could make something that was a composite of Trump and Clinton. <laughs> you know, Clinton or something. Oh my God. <laughs> Trumpton. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then you could just be wearing that. <sighs> like gonna, I, that's what we're going to do now is have a clothing <laughs> line that says like, I don't think so. I was just saying, like, if things got really bad, like, you know, people are going down the wormhole of it's going to turn into X, Y, Z. Like, there are moments from history that we can look back at that were moments of light. And it worked. That we can learn from and repeat the moments of light. I love it. As opposed to repeating the moments of dark. I love it. Okay. So... I've been asking most of the questions. Do you want to ask anything? No, I'm I'm getting my questions answered. You're getting your questions yeah. answered? Okay. So now for you. Yeah. Well, hold oh, I got okay. a question. <laughs> so let's talk about your 
because some people on here are writers, I would imagine. Mm. And like, what's your writing practice? Let's break that down a little bit. Like, do you write in the morning? Do you write at night? Like, because you wrote this book, you've written a lot of books. This is the sixth book. I have. It could be the seventh or eighth. I don't know. And I you're going to be there was like a seven-time New York Times bestselling author with this one. Is that what's going to happen? I, you know what? It would surprise me if anyone bought this one. You know, this one is uh, sort of so far out there, you know, like I don't even know. And I didn't write it for that reason. I'll tell you how this came about, really. So, you know, goddesses never age. I knew that one was going to strike a chord just because there's so many, you know, baby boomers. And we're the Pluto and Leo generation. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Don't trust anyone over 30. I mean, hello. So I knew that was probably going to strike a chord. Plus I had really good data. So then Reed Tracy, the president of Hay House and I are talking and I said, well, you know, maybe we do a cliff notes on this book and we'll just, and uh, let's just call it, you know, making life work. And it was going to be like a little cliff notes for goddesses never age. Reed goes, why don't you just make it for everybody and calling it making life work. And then we realized making life work was, I don't want to make more work. So no, making life easy. So let's just boil down what you really think and give us a little primer for how to live. Because if I look at your life, that's working. Okay. So then we did. And then, because I also have the phases in the moon here, and I know you're working on a lunar approach to life. And so I looked back, a lunar, and uh, so Ann Ortley goes, go back into May of 2015. And this was to see what the full moon in Taurus, which we had on November 14th, was culminating. All right. I go back because I keep journals because I like these cycles. It's really fun to do that. What do I find in May of 2015? The notes from a conference call that I had with Reed and the staff at Hay House about creating this book. That's Hmm. cool. And then bam, here it is. That's very cool. Now, my writing process now, Mike, is interesting. I've done so much. I did a newsletter for 10 years with Phillips Publishing. I wrote every word. And it got to be a sort of Damocles. And it was big. Big. And it wasn't like a blog post. No, 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 no. It was like a monthly big thing. Yeah, yeah. So now I work with an editor who works with me to do the blogs. We talk, she writes the blogs. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. Oh, cool. Yes. But we work very closely together. She's got my voice and that Mm -hmm. works. She does because I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two of those a month. We went down to two a month because I've done so much writing. It's like overproducing. Then. Well, we've done writing exercises at this kitchen table. And it's prolific. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we're like, <laughs> what's that writing exercise you call? Proprioceptive yeah, writing. Propri- proprioceptive writing. Yep, you can't even say yep. it. The link so, will be in the show notes. Right. And so you write and you write what's on your mind or something like this. And we did this once and I have like, you know, half a page done. And Chris is on like three pages of full notes or not notes, just completely. I'm like, holy smokes. It's insane. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, your, what I had to do, though, to no, to even be able to write. I didn't start it until I was pregnant with you. And I was, I got a little with note. Kate. She's pregnant with Kate, Kate. Not me. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Just so and we're clear. Yeah, so we're, whose we're, mother? We're, we're clear. And I got the audience, audio could have been like, what's going on? Yeah, right. I got a little note card in the mail about proprioceptive writing. So I'm like 20 weeks pregnant with you. And I wanted to learn how to write a scientific article without getting so like hung up. I had an editor like so many of us do in our head, an editor that had me just paralyzed. 
So I went to Linda Trichter Metcalf, who's in the book, by the way, and learned how to do this practice called proprioceptive writing. It's a ritual. You light a candle, you play Baroque music, that would be Mozart, Bach, anything of that nature, the Baroque period, 60 cycles a second, entrains creativity. You take three deep breaths, you come up writing until, now at the time, it was half, you know, half a side of a cassette. Now it's, I would just set it for 15 minutes Remember, on yeah. Pandora. And you ask, when a thing comes up, you ask the proprioceptive question. So for me, the word that kept coming up repeatedly was worthy. Worthy, worthy. I swear, I think I spent three years on worthy. And that's because the original sin of being born female is not redeemable by works. So therefore, I then had to come up with an entire body of work about why that which identifies us as female is what you now know is a superpower. Because before, it was all the reasons why we're flawed, why the body doesn't work, why it's a lemon, and why really you need a man for the job. Because you women are going to bleed and you're going to mess it up every time. So I then created a positive language. And it was like going up an unmarked trail with a machete. But like I say about your generation, (laughs) you're coming along paving it and putting in solar-powered landscape lighting. (laughs) And shrubbery. (laughs) And shrubbery. And And I thank you for that because it's really fun to come up that road afterwards with my girlfriends and be able to continue the conversation because you guys bulldozed it. So thank you for that. Yeah. So my writing practice now, this is interesting. I had to do a Hay House World Summit talk. And I didn't, you know, what am I going to talk about, right? We already did Goddesses Never Age, and we would covered that. And oh, yeah. I didn't no, know you have nothing there. else to say. No. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, shit, I know what I got to talk about, right? So then I realized I got my next book. Now I got my next book. What I'm trying to do. You mean is, after this one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is okay. not write it. Because it's easy for me to so, work and work and work and work. Have you noticed? I'm so sorry, honey. I'm so sorry. No, listen, all of your working has given birth to an entire body of work for me to spread the word about a different way of being, which you essentially taught me, which is being in touch with the feminine wisdom. But you chose a career path that did not actually allow you to practice it (laughs) for most of your life. And I have chosen a career path that actually does allow me to practice it. So it's the perfect thing. Yeah. And a man who's happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So they're talking about me now. (laughs) In case you guys couldn't keep it. And it is really cool that you did proprioceptive writing while you were pregnant with me because I have always considered myself a writer. And then I did go do a workshop with them as well in college and it was really powerful. Yeah, but Katie was I mean, I remember her stuff up in that little room where the sauna is now. I remember a little thing you wrote about ladybugs and I remember reading it and I thought, This kid's a writer. I don't consider myself a writer. I consider myself a biology teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So do you have a writing practice? We never did answer that question. No. No, you don't. You just write when you feel like writing? We write when you have a book deadline, right? I write yeah, when I have a, a journals. Book deadline. Said, oh, I, I keep journals. Yeah, yeah I right? keep journals all the time. So you write all the every time. day, though, in your journals? Yeah, I always write something in my journals. Yeah. But right now, the okay, I'll give you the daily practice. I forgot this. This is important. Okay. Every day at the office with Diane, with whom I have worked for 37 years, she was my first nurse, we do divine love meditations as a way to 
guide the business. So the petition is, and this is what, first of all, we decide what we're going to do. Someone's health, maybe we did one for your sister the other night. We were doing a full moon ritual. Or we do like my product line, Amada Life, we'll do that. Or we'll do, we have right now the book launch and then a women's health course, which launches in January. And that's an eight hour, everything you need to know about your body online course, which I'm very excited about. So we decide what we're going to do. Then we sit down. I set my iPhone timer for two minutes. We do the petition on whatever. So this morning with our spirits and the angels help, we focus divine love throughout our systems. We ask our spirit to identify And you can, this is sort of the generic one, every cause and every situation that separates me from the creator. And Mike, that would be the creator is the part of us, not in a body influenced by all the angels and archangels, but it's still us with a capital, you know, self out there. We ask that we be aligned with the creator. And we now we ask that all of the stuff that's separating us be removed with divine love, according to the creator's will and divine love has been measured by Robert Fritchie, who's a chemical engineer. And it's one of the most powerful energies on the planet. And then you take a breath in like this pulse it out. We sit there for two minutes, arms uncrossed, legs uncrossed, and pay attention to any images, songs, feelings that come up during the two minutes. Then we share with each other. So this morning when we did me, all I could hear was the song, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. So then I write that down and then anything else that comes to me. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So that's like your journaling practice. Yeah, that's my journaling. Yeah. Yeah, journaling practice. And, and then, then when I have a book to write. Right. So I had to prepare for the World Summit. So me and Robert Holden were going through this and I wanted to have notes. So I had to just organize, you know, like a table of contents. Yep. What are you going to talk about? And then what's your solution so that we could do, you know, the World Summit thing to make it usable for people, practical. Okay, this is an idea I have. This is how to identify it in you. And this is what you need to know. So once I did that, then I realized, okay, I have the outline for the next thing. Then I just have to fill it in. So my writing practice would be, and this is interesting because I listened to Dave Asprey talk about this. No one that he knows who is a successful writer ever gets any writing done from, let's say, two in the afternoon to 10 at night. It's right. always in the morning hours. Or in the or very wee late. hours of the or night. Or the very wee, right. but it's always sort of after midnight, really. Usually. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's after or midnight. it's like 10 to 4 or Which it's is like... not optimal for your body because that's the liver regeneration time and your body needs that. But sometimes we get activated and we're good writers. <laughs> well, then, I don't. So. I mean, I, I, I don't. used to. Well, I no longer am up if I can help it at those times. I just have to say about the divine love. I don't think I've ever shared this with you. So every time, so at the end of the petition, we do divine love around here a lot. At the end of the petition, you're supposed to like blow it out through your nose. Like, and then I, every single time I want to start giggling because if you've ever seen the movie, Mix Nuts Nuts is like a great cult classic. It's coming into the holidays. It's a holiday movie. And there's a scene where Adam Sandler is, is he's this really wacky character and he says something funny, which is that he wrote, uh, he's a t-shirt slogan writer, whatever. Anyway, he says something funny and Liev Schreiber is playing a crossdresser and he had his nose banged by a door and so he has Kleenex up his nose because it's bleeding and then Adam Sandler says this funny thing and Liev Schreiber goes... 
and blows the Kleenex <laughs> out of his nose. So every time we activate the petition, I see Liam Schreiber in a dress with a wig and Adam Sandler, like way before he was famous, saying that he wrote I he, he, he wrote, wrote save, save, the save, the wh- save the whales or save, save the, the dolphins. dolphins as a t-shirt slogan. And anyway, so I just had to share that. Which is why we do not have heavy duty, take yourself so frickin' seriously spirituality around here. No. Thank God. You can't possibly. So, okay. So one more thing about writing and then we can move on. All right. You said you couldn't, like, you didn't really start writing until Kate was, you were pregnant with Kate or she was born? Pregnant with Kate. And then I didn't start the books, any of that. I started to get the, I did, yeah. So you were like, you were like eight. And the reason is that I had something to say that was not being said. And I just knew that it needed to be said. Okay. But on that point, yeah. which I'm sure a lot of people are, I know, or I've come across people who have stuff to say, but they're too afraid to like put it on paper. What created this desire to write? Was it because of this, you had something to say, or was it because you found the pro? Proprioceptive writing. writing. Oh, like, God. I think that is a great question, saying, Mike. Right. You went from not being a writer to mm-hmm. you don't consider yourself a writer now, but really but you, you are. But you have written six books. Yes. So I would say. And they're thick. Some one of, of the things thick. you are as a writer. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. I'm a communicator. I'm a teacher. Yeah. Like, what, you know, there was like a, it's like almost like a faucet was leaking and you were writing a little bit here and here and here. And then all of a sudden, like you turned it on. Yeah. Okay. Here's what what happened. created that Yeah. yeah, That's a great question. Here's what happened. I was president of the American Holistic Medical Association. I'd been on the board. I was doing all these lectures on, you know, I was kind of like the PMS queen of Northeastern United States in the eighties. Okay. This was in the eighties. Britney Spears time like that. And no, she was uh, early 90s. She was early 90s. 90s. 80s yeah. was more Cindy Lauper. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Debbie okay. Gibson. Okay. Okay. I didn't know because the hologram. I have never seen an episode of the Brady Bunch. I missed a huge, huge amount of popular culture. I'm making up for it now. I never even heard Queen until I was like 50, <laughs> but I didn't know who they were. But when I heard them, I said, Jesus, these are good. Anyway, I then, because of the proprioceptive writing, I started to write and I would send my rights to Linda. And then one day I started to talk back to Linda. And then I remember once, and Toby was her significant other, And I said, it was just before my period, and I said, well, you know, I'm hormonal, and it's just the menstrual cycle. And Toby, in the form of a right, writes back, and he goes, after thousands of years of evolution, and you hit this point, this poignant point, because you are this place in your cycle, and you just dismiss it. Wow. Whoa. So I had affirmation from a man about how important this was. And Linda had been doing women's studies at NYU, and she was teaching people how to find their writer's voice using imagination, intellect, and intuition simultaneously. And from that moment on, then I wrote a little article for Woman of Power, which no longer exists. It was a little article on how the things that happen to women's bodies... PMS, fibroids, hysterectomies, menstrual pain, all of that, were the language through which the body speaks of the distress of existing in patriarchy, the rule of the fathers, where one in three is raped, and that kind of thing. So this is one little article, Woman of Power magazine. Okay. 
Paul Ann, my friend Paul Ann, who's about to retire from Kaiser, carried that article around in her white lab coat for four years as a medical student, which wow. I didn't know until she sent me the picture. And so then I'm writing that stuff, and I have ideas, but nothing's happening, and I'm not a writer, and I'm a doctor, and plus everything that I'm saying as a doctor is under big scrutiny at the medical center, so every day I'm kind of sure that I'm going to go in there and have my eviction notice in the doctor's mailbox. I mean, I was every day I was sure of that because I was on the edge. But as long as I could stay in the jokes, I knew I was safe. Well, then one day I'm reading Florence Scoville Shin, The Game of Life and How to Play It. And she's got a little exhortation that you do. And right up there in the same bedroom where I am now, I said, infinite spirit, show me a sign. Show me the next best use of my gifts and talents. Now, by then, I had done the empowerment workshop with Gail Straub and David Gershon, who organized the first global run for peace before the Internet. Okay, they organized a torch run all over the entire globe before the Internet. And then they did the empowerment workshop in the seven you know areas of your life using affirmations and so on and how thought becomes reality. Okay, so now we're, I don't know if it's maybe 87, 88, 1988. And so I say this thing on a Friday morning at 11 in the morning, two o'clock in the afternoon, Ned Levitt, who was then with William Morris, Morris, William Morris Agency calls me. He goes, because I'd met him at the empowerment workshop. He said, I think it's time you wrote a book. Boom. Hmm. So then I start to write takes me two and a half years. I send a manuscript, okay, that is two boxes this big, okay, I've got my hand, this is like a file box. Yeah, file boxes, two boxes I send down to the editor in New York. And then I had to hire... Women's Bodies, Women's women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And then the editor gets fired because they did a huge house cleaning down there. You know, it was my first experience with the publishing industry where you become an orphan writer, where someone really champions your book, but then they clean house, whatever. That's happened several times, you know. And I then had to hire a book doctor. I will never forget this. And she'd say, you know, well, I would start to explain what things were going on. She'd go, stop, stop. I can't breathe. And then, uh, you know... (laughs) You know, because I had a lot of ideas coming out. And another time I was trying to get a literary agent. This was before Ned. And here's what she sent to me. This was ICM, International Creative Management. Your idea that emotions affect health, though fascinating, has no marketing potential. I have that letter. That's so awesome. I like that letter. I like it a lot. <laughs> the other one I like is the one that the American Cancer Society sent me. They were it's the shaming letter, you know, the one where they're wrapping on my knuckles. I see that you've talked about macrobiotics. You do know that the American Medical Society has shown, no, American Cancer Society, there is absolutely no evidence that diet has anything to do with cancer. So that's what I was up against. So I was a so little insane. a little afraid. Okay, but I started to write articles for East West Journal. And I was on the cover of East West Journal with Annie as an infant in 1981. And I said to them, and I was writing about endometriosis and, and how whole food helped these health problems. And there, Annie and I, on the shores of the Charles River in Boston, I said to the East West Journal people, that became natural health later. I said, don't run that article till after I am board certified. Let me go to Chicago, take my oral boards in OBGYN, and then you can run the article. And then what I did so back were you then, in medical school? Medical no, I was a resident. Now, okay. I, no, by now I was here in Maine practicing. Got it. 
And then I asked the food co-op to please call me when the East West Journal came out so that I could go buy all 10 copies so that no one in my community would ever see it, which I did. So no one saw me on the cover of East West Journal. Then I'd go back to some of my residency things, and here's George Mitchell, the patriarch of the world, who I adored. And I'd go to those, and he'd say, whatever happened to you? You used to be one of our best residents. Like as I was talking about food and health. I was I was nowhere near reincarnation, astrology. You were about, like, I was kale. talking about kale. Which that's is it. pretty run of the mill at this yeah, point. I that's mean, correct. that's what's so amazing. It's like the fact that Well, it is in our circles. It's isn't in our circles, although I mean it is so shocking to me that it's not common knowledge that what we eat would affect our health. It's like one of my friends duh. works works in the public schools and she said she is disgusted by what the government subsidized and subsidizes and what they give the children, oh, which yeah. is, anyway, no, that's, that's another. So, you know, I've been working on that. So anyhow, then finally, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom comes out. And I was terrified. I thought, oh, my God, I got to go into the hospital. We have a month, a weekly meeting called Grand Rounds. And I thought, I can't go buy every copy of this book in the world from Bantam Books, and someone in my medical profession is going to see this. And then I went into the hospital, and no one said anything. And that's when I learned, you know, by and large, people, people have busy. enough to do. No, they have enough going on with their own lives. Yeah, right. Now, busy. Now, but since that time, you know, I've lost my teaching position at the University of Vermont. That was for the wisdom of menopause. And everything that's happened to me is all finally for the better. You know, it's like I've become freer and freer and freer because I'm not trying to please anyone anymore. I mean, I think one of the reasons Donald Trump won is he just said it like he saw it and everyone was so freaking relieved, right? right? He wasn't trying to be politically correct. correct. He's just saying what he wants to say. And then the next day he's saying something completely yeah, different yeah, that yeah. negates the thing he said yesterday and he's not even addressing it. No. He's right. just like, whatever. No. no, I know. It's very interesting. So therefore what it says to me and you and everybody, the best thing you can do is cultivate your own inner voice. What is this really? Because I think about my own career, right? And I've been so far ahead of the curve with natural childbirth, breastfeeding, fertility awareness, omega-3 fats in baby formula, vitamin D, all of these things. Oh, thermography instead of mammography. So far ahead of the curve that at this point, I just trust myself. And I say, oh, you know, they're not there yet, but you know, if I live give long enough, another uh, give them another 20 years, it's okay. Next life, though, I want to come back and just know what it is a year ahead, like Madonna. Then I can just, you know, really... You could really capitalize on it. Yeah, I could on capitalize it. on it instead of, you know, the arrows in the head being a pioneer. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. I think on that note... Yeah. It's time to... Is there anything else that you would like to leave people with, like a final thought about how to make their life Yes. Yes. Here's one. This is a good one. And Paul Ann told me this one, my friend, Paul Ann, the doctor, life is big. Life is big. So everybody, so this year, Thanksgiving falls on Kate's father's birthday and they got a baby. Kate has a baby and Kate's dad has another family. And we're all going to have Thanksgiving dinner together because it just makes time since I was 15 because it makes sense 
and it's just okay because life is big and we naturally heal. And if you have any bitterness or anything within you that you need to address, please address it. Because here's what I tell people, if you don't address it, you're going to come back as identical twins. Totally. And there's a whole <laughs> section in here about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of your beautiful keys to making life more easy. And forgiveness just means it is removing, it's taking yourself off the hook. It's not about the other person. It's setting yourself free. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Thanks, Mom. Thank you. You are one wise woman. Thanks. And funny. Oh, where can people find you? Oh, drnorthrop.com or Instagram or Facebook. But everything's linked to drnorthrop.com, my Facebook page. And I have I have a blog and an e-letter and I got a product line, amatalife.com, stuff that will save you from all menopausal symptoms. And uh, yeah, it's fun. And definitely make sure you check out the book, Making Life Easy, A Simple Guide to a Divinely Inspired Life which you are such a beautiful example of. Thank you. Thank you. Ever feel like you're constantly doing things but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you? Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrop.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.